Welcome to Antelope Island State Park. I'm Kaylee, your podcast host. For this episode, we will be discussing the lifetime of ancient Lake Bonneville and how the Great Salt Lake became the remnant of Lake Bonneville that it is today. Lake Bonneville started its life 30,000 years ago as a small saline lake, similar to modern Great Salt Lake. From here, the body of water formed into a lake covering much of western Utah and stretching as far as present-day Idaho and Nevada. This was the largest lake during the Ice Age in the Great Basin area of western United States. Lake Bonneville is known as a pluvial lake. The word pluvial stems from the Latin word for rain, and a pluvial lake is a lake that accumulates in a basin due to moisture and rainfall. You can observe these basins as if they are a bowl. During ice ages, the bowl shape of a basin would be filled to the rim with icy water. As the climate changes, the lakes evaporate and dry up, leaving few leftover remnants of lakes that once covered the valleys. The water in a pluvial lake has no outlet, and the water that comes in through precipitation can only leave naturally through evaporation or infiltration into soil. Prior to what we know as the Bonneville shoreline, when the lake reached its peak capacity, there was an oscillation period where the lake level receded. This is referred to as the Stansbury shoreline. This level of the lake is responsible for the tufa that can be found on Antelope Island. Tufa is a porous rock that is formed by rainfall. The lower lake levels during the Stansbury shoreline allowed this rock to form before Lake Bonneville would reach its overflowing phase. Despite the occurrence of glaciers, Lake Bonneville was not formed from glacial melt, but the change in temperature and climate allowed the basin to fill up to its peak. The lake was also affected by volcanic activity in Idaho 55,000 years ago, which caused the Bear River to change its course and flow directly into Lake Bonneville. This process is what allowed the lake to cover around 20,000 square miles and reach over 1,000 feet deep. The lake was so massive that it caused the Earth's crust beneath it to compact under the weight of the water. This elastic rise and fall of the lithosphere is known as isostasy. Depending on your location, when you view the shoreline, the horizontal line across the mountain range that is evidence of where water once was the line may be deformed due to isostasy. Next time you visit the Great Salt Lake, observe the mountain ranges near you and look for a horizontal line that marks close to where the Great Lake once reached. Nearly 16,000 years ago, Lake Bonneville reached its highest water level since its formation, and the top 351 feet of Lake Bonneville flooded into Snake River over the Red Rock Pass. This flood greatly changed the affected outlets, creating or expanding canyons and several waterfalls along the Snake River. From the Snake River, the remaining water branched off into the Columbia River and into the Pacific Ocean. This lowered the level of Lake Bonneville, and the smaller remainder of water post-flood is referred to as the Provo shoreline. 
The lake remained at this level for over a thousand years. From there, due to changes in climate, the lake regressed into what it is today, excluding a rapid rise of 50 feet during the Gilbert episode. The Great Salt Lake has gone through a lot of changes and fluctuations to become what it is today. The visitor center at Antelope Island State Park has a great digital visualization of how the lake has changed over time. As Lake Bonneville shrank, it left all the minerals behind to accumulate. The lake today is split in two primary sections separated by the causeway used to access Antelope Island. The northern arm of the lake, or Gunnison Bay, is around 30% salinity, while the southern portion, or Gilbert Bay, typically fluctuates between 6 and 27% salinity. This salinity is what causes the lake's famous buoyancy. Because of the 4.5 billion tons of salt in the lake, the water density is higher than the mass of a human, causing any recreational swimmers that visit the lake to float. This salinity level makes the lake uninhabitable for all but a handful of species, including brine flies, brine shrimp, bacteria, and several types of algae. The algae in the lake is consumed by the brine shrimp and brine flies, and the flies and shrimp feed the large population of birds that visit the area. The bacteria in the lake is what causes the infamous pink waters in the north end of the lake. The salt-loving microbes ingest materials from the lake and give off a pink hue. As you visit the Great Salt Lake, especially along the causeway, you may notice that the lake seems to be receding. Since 1847, the lake level has reduced steadily. This partly has to do with the presence of evaporation and a lack of rainfall, but the lake level is also affected by humans. Water is taken from the inlets that feed the Great Salt Lake, and nearby cities and primarily local farmers are consuming the fresh water before it can reach the lake. It is estimated that 3.3 trillion liters of water are taken for human consumption, not from the lake itself, but the inlets that feed it. The majority of that diverted water is used for agriculture. The stability of the Great Salt Lake and its island's ecosystem is important to the survival of the species that depend on it. It's unlikely that personal conservation efforts would make a large difference, such as showering faster or turning the water off when you brush your teeth. But it's a good idea to be mindful of unnecessary water usage, especially when it comes to landscaping. The implementation of drought-resistant plants and rocks, replacing our average lawns in Utah, would make a difference in the state's consumptive water use. If you can't make the switch from grass to gravel, you can try watering your lawn responsibly. Ensure that your sprinklers are functioning correctly and water your lawn only when it needs it. Another tip is to water your lawn before or after the hottest hours of the day, between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Adding drought-tolerant plants to your yard can also reduce water use. These may seem like small changes, but water conservation starts with you and it will take a statewide effort to see more water flowing into the depths of the Great Salt Lake. If you are planning on visiting the island soon, 
It is important to remember not to visit the park when you are feeling sick. Make sure to practice social distancing, keep a safe distance from the wildlife, and pack out what you pack in. It is also important to note that the noceums or biting gnats typically hatch on the island around April to June. These are very tiny biting flies. Insect repellent is ineffective against the gnats and it is recommended to wear fine mesh head nets if you plan on visiting us after the gnats have emerged. To access Antelope Island State Park, there is a $15 entrance fee per vehicle. The entrance gate is open from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. The visitor center is open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And the Fieldingar Ranch is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Check out our website for news and current conditions. You can find us at antelopeisland.utah.gov on Facebook at Antelope Island SP, Instagram at Antelope Island State Park, Twitter at Antelope SP, and YouTube at Antelope Island State Park. Join us next time for further exploration of Antelope Island.